Hi, everyone. I wanted to give a brief content warning for all our listeners. The next series we explore contains police violence, sexual assault, racialized language, and other triggering content. We hope you continue to listen in as we discuss when they see us, but we completely understand if you need to skip these next four episodes. As always, thanks for your support. This week on The Pour Over, Joe and Dill begin their discussion on When They See Us, a newly released Netflix drama miniseries about the Central Park Five. Listen in as they reflect on the heart-wrenching first episode of When They See Us. The show literally pulls no punches. Let's pour it all over. Hey friends, welcome to The Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Dill, and Joe. Each week we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. Today, we're starting our conversation on the miniseries When They See Us, a new drama on Netflix about the Central Park Five. The four-episode miniseries portrays the lives of the five teenagers who were falsely accused of the assault and rape of a woman in Central Park, New York City. Before we get into all that, let's catch up with the pour-over boys. What's up, Joe? Hey, man. What's up, man? How's it going? Much. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm excited to talk about this episode. I'm looking forward to just, you know, changing up a little bit and, and, and diving into when they see us. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be, you know, we, we started with Westworld and all that is like fairly serious, all that kind of deep, but this is kind of takes on another level to it since oh, true yeah. story and all that, so... Yeah, yeah, this is a uh, this is different. I mean, we we haven't done a um, I don't know what you would call this like a a docu series. It's not really a documentary, but it's based mm-hmm. upon true events, and I think they try and keep a pretty accurate uh, story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So looking forward to the conversation too. But before that, how's how's your coffee been? It's pretty good, man. Um, I, I've uh, been working on that. Uh, populist coffee mm-hmm. and um i just finished it um overall really good definitely recommend populist if you guys are ever in detroit i just posted something on instagram about that mm-hmm. and you had actually sent me a, a bag from cat and cloud oh yes i, I don't think uh, we might have mentioned it before but I, i've been really drinking it lately and um digging it as well okay very nice good to hear yeah, yeah. Um, how's your coffee been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. I, I'm also drinking Cat and Cloud, uh, a different bean, but from the same roaster. And it's interesting because I, I think I mentioned it last time. Um, the the flavor notes that they just described, the bean that I bought is is just straight peanut butter and jelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which oh, we did talk I, about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been drinking it, and I don't really know what they mean by that. So. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's I I like it, but at the same time, I don't know if I would say that's what's happening. But yeah. at, at the same time, I've been trying to dial in my pour over a little bit more. I think as of late, I've just kind of just been doing it and just kind of going with emotions. Okay, but I might be over extracting my beans. I think I might mm. be grinding too fine, and I've been doing mm. it maybe for a while. So I'm experimenting a little bit right now with grinding a little bit more coarse. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, uh, well, we all we all have those days, you know, we're off on our coffee game. I do have a Baratza now, which I, hey. I, didn't, I didn't talk about, but I, yeah, a good friend of ours from the show actually gifted me a Baratza Encore. Nice. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Shout outs to Max Cow from the Max Studio. Yeah, yeah. What uh, setting do you have it on, the uh, Encore? I mean, now that we yeah, can talk right about now, these numbers. Yeah, so we have the same grinder now. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so right now, I think this morning, I, I used about a 16. Oh, that's so, pretty, that's pretty coarse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, Historically, thinking about what I usually do is probably at most 12, at times oh. like 10, wow. 9 or something. Okay. Um, but wow. usually, probably between 10 and 12 is where I usually uh, stay, I guess. That's very but, fine. Yeah, yeah. But recently, I was drinking, especially with this... Because I was trying to understand that peanut peanut butter jelly. I was like, I don't... Mm -hmm. um, If anything, it tastes more like the bread in the sandwich than the peanut butter jelly, in my opinion. And I think that might be on me. So, you know, I was just like, "Ah, maybe I should adjust it a bit. I'm just kind of playing with the settings a little bit. So, yeah. So we see see where it goes. It still... I would say it tastes better now. Mm. That I'm making it a little bit more coarse, so it could be just the bean is different. Since I'm I'm pretty used to buying from Oak Cliff, I, I don't okay. know if that mm-hmm. you know influences um, just what the bean is like. So yeah, yeah. Well, keep keep me updated, man. I I know I think that Can Cloud's a pretty new roaster. Is that true? Mm. Uh, relative Roastery. to some other ones, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I've been drinking the Hondura. Um, Honduras, uh, I think it's Damien, Damien, I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, the name of the farmers there and yeah, it's been a little bit hard to dial in. I would, I would agree with your, uh, with your experience there. Um, so you, you feel like it, it's more peanut than jelly. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. At times I feel like there's a hint of sweetness. And so I'm like, okay, maybe that's it. But at the same time, still just kind of experimenting, I guess, with the grind and the brewing and all that. Okay. So maybe a little bit more than I normally would. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But how how do, how do you like your grinder, man? Oh, dude, it's life changing. It yes. uh, you know, the convenience is a big factor, but it also just grinds really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I, I think it's just the hand grinder that I had, the Hario, like no shade on that. Because of the way the physics work with like you kind of jostling around the beans when you grind, mm-hmm. I think it leads to an uneven ground. Um, you know, there are those really high end hand grinders, like you look them up, I mean, they're like sub $150, mm-hmm. they get super expensive. So, I think if you do want to go the hand grinding route, then that might be the way to go if you want to even grind. But, uh, man, Encore is a Deserves another encore, you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah, it's yeah, really, yeah. really good. It's a game changer, man. Once I started using the electric grinder, I can't go back. Those yeah. daily grind in the morning, you send there grinding like with your hand manual. It's yeah, it's just I, I never looked back. Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually didn't mention this uh, when when I talked about the coffees. I actually did get another bag. Okay. I got I got bags on bags on bags right now. Yeah. It's you got uh, the grinder, man. You don't you don't need that arm workout yeah. anymore. You're like, I just grind everything. It's a slippery slope. It, yes. This could be bad for me because uh, I'm drinking more coffee now too. Mm. Um, but I, I got a bag from Tectonic Coffee out of L.A. Uh, I just went there actually about man, a week and a half coast, ago. Dude. I know, I know, I'm traveling. Um, but it's a it's a Kenyan coffee from uh, Guama, and the region is Guama. Um, and the flavors are plum, bergamot, and blackberry. Oh, what's a uh, bergamot? 
Uh, bergamot, as far as I know, is often found in fragrance fragrances. Like okay. it's often found in you know men's perfume. Uh, if you if you smell CK one, you smell bergamot. Okay, okay. yeah, that I, helps. I, that helps. <laughs> I know we all had a CK one when we were <laughs> when we were back in high school. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, it's a you know I gotta applaud the packaging first of all. The packaging is mm. is really nice. It comes in this um kind of kind of ocean blue with this uh, maroon sticker, and uh, there's some cool little bits of information on the sides. And on the inside is the actual coffee bag, so it's like a box, and you get the bag oh, on the inside. Yeah, wow. So I have it here with doing me. Doing the most. Yeah, doing the mostest and paying the mostest too. I think I paid <laughs> twenty five. Oh wow! I know. Even with the California tax on that, that's a lot. Yeah, it's that box, man. It is. Um, but they have a QR code actually oh. on the bean of uh, the bag. And supposedly you can scan that. Like, I don't know who still uses QR codes, but you can scan that. And it'll give you so much information, even down to, oh. like, the roasting, like, kind of wave, the, the wow. graph that they do. Yeah. Okay. So it is, they're, they're pretty serious about this stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I respect that. If someone goes through all that effort, you know, compiles all that data and makes it in a shareable medium. Format, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, I like that. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it tastes good, though. Yes. Yeah, it does oh. taste good. Um, it's different. It's definitely yeah. very different. I haven't had a Kenyan coffee in a long time. It's very fruity. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, just burst of, uh, like, almost like a, a, a dry fruit as opposed to the wow. fresh fruit. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is maybe that combination the bergamot and the blackberry but i think raisin when i when i drink mm. it cool cool yeah anything new from your end anything any coffee shop experiences uh you know espresso what have you not particularly i've mostly still just been on that home brewing been pretty busy with that summer school uh, uh, yeah. i mean i've been to mudleaf a few times recently Mm-hmm. but you know it's kind of the same old same old i um i, I started getting iced tea not Ooh, because it's mostly because i have on, a lot man? of coffee at home okay <laughs> and so i'm like i if i drink coffee here then i probably won't brew it at home but mm. i'd rather you know use the coffee that i have so i choose a alternative option that still isn't too expensive yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kind of kind of same old. Not not too much going on with that. Mostly just trying to focus and, and dial in that cat and cloud. Mm-hmm. True that. True that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh. Well. Hey. You ready to dive into this discussion? Yeah, man. All right. Let's get into it. Uh. So yeah, this week we're talking about when they see us. It's kind of a change up from what we normally talk about. The shows that we normally talk about. And uh, just kind of a little synopsis is that uh, is when we when they see us is a drama miniseries currently on Netflix. Uh, it follows the lives directly following uh, the five teenagers that were wrongly accused in the Central Park jogger case, and in which a woman was assaulted and raped in Central Park, New York City. Uh, the series basically explores uh, their lives and the lives of um, their families as they go through this uh, this process of being uh, falsely convicted. 
it's got a lot of big name actors. Like it's got Michael K. Williams. Uh, I know him from the night of that HBO miniseries. Mm-hmm. He's also in, uh, I think he's also in the wire. I feel like he was in the wire. I'm not a big, you know, I, I didn't watch a lot of HBO, uh, or showtime. Uh, John Logazano of Ice Age, he was a sloth, if you remember hey. that. He was also in Chef, I believe, and Vera Farmiga of uh, the Conjuring series. Hmm. Um, so a lot of big names. Uh, and like kind of we said at the top of the show, this is going to be more kind of serious and, and kind of, um, you know, honestly, a, a very, uh, um, uh, I don't want to say controversial, but some people might might see it as controversial. Hmm. Also very, uh, it's, it centers around, around a very uh, many sensitive topics. So, um, you know, just a disclaimer for me, I, I have not personally learned about the Central Park jogger case prior to this show. Um, and, you know, I am by no means an expert in criminal justice, uh, you know, or, or how everything works there. I, however, and I think, Dill, you might resonate with me, is uh, I am interested in like social justice, um, you know, learning about, you know, and, and trying to improve race relations and cultural issues and things like that and talking about those things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, before I kind of keep going, Dilly, anything add to those things? Um, yeah, same. You know, b- both of us were Asian American guys mm-hmm. growing up, at least for me, in a you know, middle class kind of area, kind of town. Um, so, yeah, these experiences, specifically of these people, because they're not just characters, right? Uh, is a little bit removed from my own personal experience. By the same time, I mean, we'll get into it, but the show, I think helps you experience what they're experiencing in a lot of ways but yeah so i'm interested in getting into this conversation and just talking about it but i think the disclaimer is important just knowing where we're coming from and all that too so yeah Mm -hmm. because that cultural lens informs our discussions and informs Mm -hmm. our, our experience of what we're seeing um so yeah in episode one we basically get the introduction you know these are the the adolescents and these are the families involved we learn about raymond kevin uh, Corey, Yusef, and Antron, those are the five boys involved. And they really are kids. I mean, you see them in this show, and they really are just young black boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just chilling, and they're just being kids. And this event, this incident happens, and uh, law enforcement goes out and tries to pick up these suspects. And these kids are included in that roundup, and they're brought to the police station uh, they're separated by their parents from their parents. Uh, some some are there, but uh, for the for the most part, they didn't have their parents there with them, uh, and they're interrogated in separate rooms. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, and, and we we get to see uh, the the effects and the the reactions to that. So, um, Mandil, what did you think, or how did you experience this first episode? Mm. Yeah, as anyone I think that has watched it will probably agree, it's it's a hard thing to watch. Mm. Just the the whole episode, everything is. Yeah, it's hard to describe. Other than it's, it's very difficult. I think. Yeah. And I, yeah, I seen you know online. I, I was trying to just read people's responses and stuff. You know, some people just couldn't get through it. You know, either mm. it was like too real to them in their own experience, or right. um, just for you know what whatever reasons, it's just very difficult. So in some ways, I I think that's the show doing its job. I mm-hmm. think it's it's trying to shed light on this case and just the experience of the kids. And I, I think it, it definitely does that. 
And I mean, we we do have to acknowledge it's a dramatized retelling of the of the case. But at the same mm-hmm. time, from you know what, what I've been reading, it seems a lot of people are saying is fairly accurate. Some people aren't, but mm. um, either way, I think the experience of watching it, like you you are experiencing what those characters are experiencing straight up. It's, right. I, it's just uncomfortable, stressful, everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What was your initial experience with it? Yeah, uh, just same as yours. Uh, difficult to watch, very heart-wrenching. Um, you know, you, like I said earlier, you see these kids, and they really are just kids. And there's this, there's this opening shot, not opening shot, but this to the interrogation scenes, there's this beginning mm-hmm. shot with Kevin, He's really kind of the youngest kid in this group. Yep. And he wasn't really supposed to be there. He kind of was going to go play ball with his friend. But then he kind of split off because he was curious about, you know, what these kids are wilding out about in the park. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of the first one we see interrogated. And he kind of has his hand up and the cop just like slams it on the yep. table. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, this is this is going to be a rough ride. So, yeah, man, very hard to watch. Um, I didn't have to pause it, but... Man, it, it, if I was in a certain mood, I mm-hmm. think I would have to pause it because it it hits hard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they it's very raw. They don't hold anything back in the show. And in some ways, I think it's probably better, you know, I think it's it's purposeful and all of it and it they're, they're trying to tell the story. So mm-hmm. I I can appreciate it and also totally understand when it's a bit difficult and right. Yeah, and even just telling, you know, mentioning just how they're presenting it, like it, I feel like the tonal shifts throughout the episode were so stark, and all mm. just really helps tell the story a lot. Like be, the beginning when the the kids are getting out, they're on spring break, all that. Mm-hmm. They had, you know, they had the the hype music, you yeah, know, fight the power, yep. public just, enemy, like, jumping around, laughing, yep. all that good stuff. Eric B. and Rakeem, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just like totally shifts when the police come in and just Man. the music is serious and times there's just no music or yeah. some of the interrogation scenes there's just like this low droning in the background mm. super low just to kind of build that tension. Wow. And yeah, they the shifts were were very real and I think as a whole it's still I, I mean just like the, the experience of the characters and, and the actors I think is just conveyed so well yeah i think and on multiple levels but yeah i yeah. really appreciated the music and just the way they progressed throughout the episode mm-hmm. yeah that's funny you bring up the music i didn't think about that but that's so true like the the tonal shifts were totally synchronized with the music um but let's go back to what you said about the experience of the characters was there one kid or one character or not a character i mean one person in this mm-hmm. miniseries in this first episode that you really uh, that really struck you, or that you really yeah. kind of empathized for? I mean, all of them, for sure. But I think one that really kind of kind of stood out maybe was um, Yusef to mm-hmm. me, because mm-hmm. he he seems like a generally good kid, and he's he doesn't even know what's happening, right? He just yeah. seems like a, a guy that's very focused on school and like want, wants to study and all that, like. And then when they go to pick him up, him and Corey, they read his ID and he's like, oh, I'm actually 15, but, you know, my ID says 16. I changed it to impress some girls. Mm-hmm. And the police are like, well, we'll just take it at 16. Yeah. At, at that time, you know, it's just, it, it seems like a line, I guess, unless you understand um, some of the 
criminal justice system, but like taking him at 16 means that he can be kind of treated as an adult. In some ways he has like Mm -hmm. power over waiving his attorney rights and all that stuff. So he's like, yeah, this kid where I I don't want to say he's mm, more, maybe more like innocent in some way. Like he's just, um, kind of maybe more, more protected. I, I don't know. He seems like he's not, totally aware of what's happening around right yeah so i think i really felt for him in that ways um right and, and his mom too comes in and she's like oh man that was she's so... able to help you know she she's the mvp i think yeah. at least in in, in this and she was the see, bright spot of this episode. yeah 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 and you can see when, when the parent comes in um how much that helps right versus yeah. the the other kids that don't get their parents in there or um yeah so for, for sure uh, what about you, man? Yeah, you know, like I said at the, uh, the beginning of our discussion, Kevin, for sure, Kevin Richardson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like, you know, I feel like you re- we really got to know him a little bit. It showed us uh, kind of him um, kind of uh, with his friend. You kind of get a sense of his innocence, so to speak. Um, and, and he was the, was he the one that had the, the instrument with him? Yeah, and he kind of yeah, touched yeah. base with his sister before he went out to hang out with his friend like he was just like you better go home and wash those dishes and he's mm-hmm. like all right whatever and he was like competing for first chair or whatever mm-hmm. and you're like man it's like this kid's got a lot going for him mm-hmm. and he's just he's just a kid you know he's just he's just you know focusing on trying to be in orchestra or being band and next thing you know he's he's the one that got punched by the cop yeah uh assaulted by <laughs> assaulted by the cop yeah so yeah. um yeah man i just i really felt for him for sure and then I'll throw in a, a Raymond out there too, mm-hmm. in his situation, his family. John Logazamo is his father in this in the series, and you also, you know, I really felt for him too because you know they're they're a family uh, of um, immigrants, and so his mom doesn't speak English, and um, you know the interpreter basically told his mom to not be in the room. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, that's that's so illegal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that scene too, because his dad comes. Uh, I'm not sure where his dad exactly works, but he the the officer is mad at him because he's. I guess he came in like three hours after they called him. Called him at like five a.m. Comes in at eight. Yeah, kind of officer gives him some some grief about that. Yeah, and then he immediately turns around and is like, "Yeah, they'll process him like sometime later today or something." And so mm. the officer is very not okay with waiting even though I'm sure he's doing other things. But then he makes uh, Raymond's dad wait all day, essentially. And he's 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 just like, I can't do that. You know, if I don't make it to work, they're going to fire me, all that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very real. So I, I definitely yeah. felt for that, too. Um, especially just, yeah, just that kind of immigrant experience and just um, just trying to trying to get by with, with work and all that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you felt like there was a world outside of the uh, the police uh, department mm-hmm. too like because not only uh Raymond's dad but also um who was it was it Antron's dad Antron's mm-hmm. dad also had to work mm-hmm. um and i mean there's some real pressures that these families are facing outside of the very fact that their kids are being wrongly accused and you know, i really felt that scene between Antron's dad and and Antron when he was basically telling them to, to listen to the cops and do whatever they say, mm-hmm. you know, you feel, you feel that power being sucked away from them because they're just trying to, 
make the best of what uh, this this imbalance of power has created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they just really portray that through the narrative really well without just straight out saying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, some of the characters have some quotes talking about police uh, relations with them and be- between them. But yeah. at the same time, you just see because with Antron's dad, like he he's just sitting there and like watching the interrogation and he's also obviously very like perturbed by it. And he's like, is there someone I can talk to? And he starts talking to some, one of the officers about it. And then the officer just like totally swerves and starts talking to Antron's dad about his job and stuff. Mm-hmm. Essentially yep. using that as a way to manipulate Antron, hopefully into confessing or like accusing some of the other kids. So you just get this whole like multi-layered, kind of presentation of what's going on mm. as opposed to, I mean, they, they could just very much just show uh, police brutality and all that, but there's so many layers to it. Right. Right. You got the DA talking to other detectives, other prosecutors, and you just kind of see this whole picture of corruption, essentially mm-hmm. or apathy, just kind of depending who you're talking to. But mm. um, yeah, so I, I kind of just appreciate all, all the little parts that add up to the, not even end result yet since we're just talking about the first episode, but just kind of right. what's happening. Like yeah. all of this working together and how they're strategizing almost mm-hmm. to to get those accusations. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh let's let's flip it a little bit. I wonder for you, did you feel any kind of empathy for the police department or did you feel any kind of um just positive regard for anyone in, in on that side? Nah, man. Yeah, um, which I think is the purpose mm-hmm. of of the the writers, directors of the show. Obviously, they have a side of the story that they're focused on and trying to tell. Right, and the portrayal of the law enforcement is obviously going to go one way, but um, at the same time, is just yeah, they they really hit it. I think because mm-hmm. um, the main kind of person we're introduced to is Linda Fairstein, I think is, is her mm-hmm. last name. And she seems to be the person in charge of all this that's happening, right? Right, right. And just from the get-go in that first initial meeting, she's essentially already convinced of all of yep. their guilt. Yep. And it's very obvious just throughout, she meets with some other detectives, she meets with the prosecutor, all of that. And like, they're essentially pointing out flaws in, in her mm-hmm. argument. He's like, hey, this doesn't seem to add up, and their testimonies are all over the place. And right. so with that, I'm like, that that makes me, I mean, one, on, on the side of Linda, I'm like, nah, this is not right. Yeah. But at the same time, on the side of the other uh, law enforcement people is like, I almost see that as apathy, passivity, mm. or almost they're just like, you, you see it, you kind of acknowledge it, but then, you know, you don't actually do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're like, yeah, like no way these this timeline doesn't work. Or like they're trying to flip around the timeline, the different parts. Right, right. right. Add like and twenty minutes. He's like, oh, that's not good. And he, th- then he just like lets it happen anyways. Yeah. And so it just makes it worse, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, not really any anything there yeah. for me. Yeah, man. I I I think I feel a theme of like helplessness, mm. like on the side of. Uh, the teenagers like helplessness there, but also, yeah, maybe it's apathy, maybe it's passivity. Um, even the even the you know the powers that be, like the people above Linda, kind of just let them do whatever they yep. wanted. I That's mean, right. 
the the main sheriff was like, yeah, I'll let you two work it out. Like whoever has a stronger case, like I'll let, I'll let that person take the lead. And it's like, almost like, dude, this is your job, man. You're the leader of this, of this organization. Like where you're supposed to be the moral compass and you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to up, uphold, like, you know, being, uh, you know, I don't know. And, and, and so then you have Linda who, you know, she, she might have her, she might have a, a personal vendetta. Right. And like, mm-hmm. she, um, she mentioned the, was it 4,000 or so rape cases? Yeah. And saying how like, we have to put a stop to it now, um, mm-hmm. with this one. So yeah, you definitely, you definitely see how like one bad apple can really corrupt the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's almost presented to the point of like i can't believe that this is i mean it, it, like i said it, it is a dramatized retelling but at the same time like this is ridiculous just now yeah. how far you know the it seems that they, they would go to basically try to sell this narrative of what mm-hmm. happened right yeah you know i, I think that scene when linda's talking to i think the main prosecutor or whoever and then the the prosecutor's like talking about the testimony of the five kids, and she's just like, none of these line up, right? There's like in the beginning when they're talking about what happens before the assault of the woman, there's mm-hmm. some parts that do line up. Like, okay, there's some truth, maybe they can co- corroborate. Right. But once they start talking about the assault, it all just goes everywhere, right? Right. And so, and Linda's response is like, yeah, that's when they start lying. And it's mm-hmm. just like, it just doesn't make sense. Right? Yeah. Just well, they, they, about they're it lying and, because yeah. the, the interrogators are lying. Mm-hmm. They're feeding them false information. Yeah. So that they can spit back false information to convict each person mm-hmm. or different people. But yes. then you have a situation like what the prosecutor pointed out is that the, the confessions are all contradictory mm-hmm. or not, you know, they're not really contradictory. They're just, inaccurate False. to one another yeah they all say different things which means they can't be true right yeah and you just really feel that frustration you know it's almost yeah. like like that fly on the wall sort of like you're seeing what's happening one to the kids and also behind the scenes in terms of the prosecutor and all that and you just yeah you know yeah, you yeah, feel yeah either angry frustrated just all of that and it's just yeah that, that it's difficult to watch yeah, yeah, it's it, just, it makes it really hard. Um, which again, it's just like props to you know the the director, the writers, all, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they really convey it, and yeah. even just their, I think, technique, I guess, of just showing the interrogations, but also when the kids are giving their testimonies, they do quick cuts, kind of back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. They're like back mm-hmm. and forth to where the police are either. Um, hitting the kids or feeding them lies and all of that. And they cut to them actually like telling those lies. Yeah. And so you kind of, you you, one that's like chaos because it's just so much is going on all at the same time. Right. And then also you're like, ah, you see exactly what's happening. The police are telling them to say these things and they're leading them and everything. They're like, they they don't even know who each other are. Like Mm -hmm. the kids and they tell them their names and they're like, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, yeah, it's just so frustrating to watch. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the end of the episode, basically, uh, you know, they, they come to that impasse where it's like, yeah, none of these really corroborate with one another. Uh, 
and then she's like, well, what, what are we going to do? She's like, yeah, I'm, we're going to convict all of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they, they, they're like, okay, well, well we got to find one to, to unite all the stories. So then they basically, I think they're, they're videotaping each kid condemning, uh, Yusef, right? Mm-hmm. The one who, the kiddo that actually left with his mom. Yeah. I, I think they, they're like all just kind of condemning different people in, in mm-hmm. different ways. Um, they do get Yusef to come back because of that. Cause one of the kids at least, um, accuses him. Yeah. So yeah. It was a core strategy. Yeah. And now I don't know how you felt at that almost at the end scene when the kids are actually all brought together and they meet each other. Like, oh yeah. That was so, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Right. It, it's just like, they realize after this whole day, however long it was, like they just been lying about these other kids. They've been accusing them because the officers are giving them this out. It's like, hey, if you say these things, if you accuse these kids, then mm-hmm. you can go home. When right. ultimately they're just trying to get all of them, right? Right. Um, and they don't even know who each other are. And then they meet each other and they're like, hey, what's up? Like, you know, my name's Kevin or my name's Tron. And he's like, mm-hmm. and Tron, you know? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. realize who each other are yeah and they just kind of have this moment they're like you know i've been lying on you man yes like, oh me too Oof. and so it's yeah. just like this so devastating yeah and, and some of them start crying and yeah. they're like oh god and that just yeah. hits so hard you know yeah for sure well any uh final takeaways about this uh first of the miniseries yeah i think it communicates the chaos just the whole experience of essentially being arrested for something you don't even know what's happening i think Mm -hmm. and i think because this is just the first episode and so much happens and changes yeah they kind of close out with flashbacks to earlier in the day for each kid when they Mm. were happy they're kind of playing and things were good right they're out on spring break right right i think to me that that was like you know like cherry on top kind of in the end like reminding me at least like this is how fast everything can change hmm. um this is where yeah. we started then this happened and they're like a reminder this is actually where we started right and so it was just like yeah wow. one episode and one day or however long like all of it just came down and nothing is ever the same so mm-hmm. that's kind of kind of where i'm at with it and yeah, what about you um yeah i, I just uh I think it it was a it was kind of being thrown in the cold water for this first mm-hmm. episode. Um so yeah, I just, you know, like I said I hadn't read up about read up on it before this uh series, so I'm really kind of learning for the first time. Yep, same. Yeah, and if there's anything like I was reading on it too cuz I think there's a there's actual documentary that came out, I think it was in 2012 talking it was about this on PBS. Yeah, some some like that, and it is actually <laughs> they interviewed the actual um, people, the five, um, and got their stories, and all that. And the person that you know directed and filmed and shot that was saying that this, when, when they see us, is um, surprisingly accurate in oh. its portrayal. So I think that hits really hard too. Yeah, um, someone that's essentially an expert on this has studied it for years, and she's just like, yeah. 
there's this is basically it. You know, there could be some slight changes, but as a whole, this is it right here. Mm. And that's I think that's really hard to stomach. Yeah. In some ways. Like you're watching it, it's on Netflix, it's a TV show. But this is also real life. Yeah. Right? So yeah. This makes it hard. Yeah, props to the um director, props to the writers and the actors on this show and to Netflix for picking it up. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's opened my eyes. It's continuing to, and uh, I look forward to learning more about it and just being more informed about the lives that were affected and kind of um where we need to go more as a society and how mm-hmm. and where we need to grow. So um we'll leave it at that. Uh we'll talk about uh the episode, the second episode next week. And I hope you guys will stay tuned to that. Just to end on a slightly different note, you know, just end as we usually do in the podcast, trying to ask each other what's making us happy. So, yeah, Joe, what's making you happy this week? Uh, This week, um, what's making me happy is just uh, being able to come back to my apartment. I've been traveling a lot, so it's Mm -hmm. good to kind of be back and just relax. You know, I I feel so so privileged and so... (laughs) like uh entitled right now just uh after talking about this episode i live a very comfortable life you know so um yeah i'm just what's making me happy is that um i'm here you know i'm here i'm living life and you know i get to pay the bills i get to drink mm-hmm. delicious coffee chat with you and you know and and i'm going on going on another trip next weekend so mm. it's just uh i just feel grateful yeah mm-hmm. What about you, man? Uh, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, yeah, definitely grateful, thankful just for my my life and those privileges. And uh, recently I had a, a friend of mine from school. He, he moved up to live a bit closer to where I live, kind of north Dallas. Nice. And uh, yeah, just kind of been going over, hanging out with him, studying and stuff. And uh, reminds me sort of of like college days when you just kind of go over and chill like you know you're doing homework you're studying but you can kind of just hang out which i think i don't get as much of anymore just the older i get but mm-hmm. you know he's a he's a fellow coffee guy so oh nice. we meet up and you know i i bust out the chemex which i don't ever use but if i'm brewing for more than one that's kind of my go-to mm. so i go you know brew a chemex and you know we drink some coffee talk a bit and then just just do homework and chill so yeah it's it's nice <laughs> it's lit yeah yeah you know it's 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 the little things yeah but yeah so it's been nice just to be able to do that and yeah dope dope you should break out the siphon the siphon brewer yeah that's a lot of effort but oh I, I come on man it. yeah the siphon is good a little though. treat yeah maybe maybe after i'm done with my summer school and then i'll, I'll just like celebrate with that there you go yeah, yeah go yeah. buy some geisha and make a siphon brew Ooh, yeah for sure well, thanks for talking this week, Joe, about an yeah. uh, important show. Um, I think that'd be the term I would I would use. Mm. Um, and yeah, just you know, be able to reconnect and you know, just continue learning, talking, and having dialogue about things. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to the next few episodes when we're talking more about uh, when they see us. Yes, sir. This was the Pour Over Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at pourover underscore show to stay up to date with the Pour Over gang. 
Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at Here Comes Daniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Peace.